Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Over the past two weeks, we've been fantasizing, should I use that word, thinking, meditating, discussing the ideal Ghana. So far, we've had Asian Kuma, Dr. Emmanuel Akwiti, Dr. Isiansa, and Kathleen Adi setting the tone with some prescriptions on national identity, education, governance, corruption, and industry, among others. My guests for tonight have one thing in common, a solid track record of contribution to this nation in their various fields of endeavor. I'm joined in the studio tonight by Dr. Joyce Ayi, who needs absolutely no introduction in this show. She's the first female president Ghana never had. <laughs> Auntie Joyce, welcome to Springboard. Thank you, Albert. <laughs> you, know, you know my opinion on this YouTube, so. I know, I know. I just hope you're not going to give any heartaches to anybody, to anybody <laughs> thinking that I'm running. No, I said Ghana never had. So, I mean, that, that's well, they never understand the English properly. Oh, no. So you never you know. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight, making his debut on the virtual university is a man whose works and writings are followed for years. A deep thinker, a passionate man of conviction, Professor Kwesi Yanka, the Vice Chancellor of Central University. Prof, it's such a blessing to have you in the studio tonight. Thank you. So, this is the setup, and happy Father's Day to you, Prof. Thank you. Right. So, let me start by rewinding to sample a couple of prescriptions so far, just to get a sense of where we are on this. But maybe even before we go into prescriptions, how important is a platform to talk about the ideal Ghana? Let me start with you, Dr. Jess. Why, why is it important to create a platform to just discuss thoughts, philosophies, ideas about an ideal nation? You know, thoughts and ideas are the substance which become reality. And so as we debate and discuss and make contributions, it's really turning people's minds around. And out there are people who are decision makers, people who get things done, and people who sometimes are not sure whether the ideas they have have merit. So they hear somebody else talking about them and they realize, look, the, what I've decided to do or what I think I'm going to do and the way I'm going to do it is the right one. Right. So we couldn't have chosen a better time right. to discuss these things. You know, people out there, they, they, they want to have hope. They want to, to feel that we are not self-destructing, that Ghana can be better. should be better and that it is possible it is not uh, any Ethiopian ideas right talking about Ethiopian ideas I mean prof one of the one of the pillars on which this discussion is set up is the idea that possibly some of the things that you will prescribe may be seen by others as not being um, being a bit idealistic Is, 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 is it worth our while to talk about what the ideal situation should be Clearly there is. Um, we, we have to be talking about the ideal situation. Because when you sit back and you see what is happening around you, you wonder whether people have created space for thinking. 
we just run our mouths and run the nation, run ourselves without founding this on any principles. And it sounds as if when people are appointed to certain positions, either the positions are so busy that there's no time for thinking. They've just gone there to push the pen. And the standards that we set for ourselves are so low that we think without thinking we can act rationally. Well, we think without thinking we can act rationally. rationally. That's a quote forever. I'll I'll, I'll log it in in my book of quotes. All right, so let me just test a couple of the prescriptions that have come up. And let me start with you, Prof. On the, in the area of education, almost every one of our four resource persons so far has, has given their thoughts on education. Obviously, one of the big pillars around which our nation building effort revolves. And the beauty about this is that two, I have two seemingly contrasting prescriptions, and I, I'm not saying they, they, they constitute the solution per se, but let's hear your thoughts on, on the prescriptions on education, even before you give us your own prescriptions. So in the first conversation... Ace and Kuma suggested that we should consider the possibility of a 30-year program of free education starting from the child born tomorrow so that by the end of 30 years, at least you know that you have a core of people who have had the quality of education, accessibility to education for everyone born in this country from a certain period to a certain period. And that those who start from tomorrow will be 30 and hopefully gainfully employed by the time. That's one prescription. And then contrast that with the prescription of Dr. Emmanuel Akwiti last week, who says, you know what? We have a huge core, cadre of of graduates who are out there who are possibly unemployable. They've got degrees, but do not have what it takes to make a significant contribution. So let's look at the postgraduate solution that adds value to graduates by helping them through coaching, mentoring, etc. Where do you sit on these two prescriptions? I think both of them are right, I'm afraid. You know, I think fundamentally, of course, wiping out tabula rasa, that is wiping out everything and starting all over, is an ideal situation. You cannot have it that way, uh, of starting with the basic education and continuing free education throughout the years through the university and so on. Ideally, yes. I really wish we could do it that way. Because just imagine the amount of deficit we have in beginning education, basic education. Uh, the number of people that you find around not having gotten the privilege of going to school, basic level education, let alone um, secondary and tertiary education. Uh, each step of the way, because of the very nature of education that we have in the country, you have a huge pool of pupils left behind. And you have one big thing sitting on top of all this being poverty, inability to go further because you've not been able to fund your education. And even when a government tells you that it is free education, it is really not free. They are, they are just deceiving you, just giving you a concept of freeness which is not there. So bringing everybody along at all these levels... Unfortunately, it is not realistic in a certain sense that there is a big social disparity within the country, within the universe as a whole, which makes this impossible because others can afford it and would want to move further ahead than the others. Others would want to go for it, not for the freeness of it, but the quality. Right. 
of education and therefore will opt for a different direction of education where the emphasis is on quality uh, much more than the fact that it is free and it is unhindered. Right. Let me just propose that against the, the option of creating a postgraduate solution. I would like to a brief comment on the issue of the, the, the quantum of graduates who have come out of school with challenges and a prescribed solution that says give them postgraduate support. What, what, do, you, after care, what do you think? It is an excellent solution um, in that direction as well because within every country, the quality of development rests eventually more on postgraduate work where there is specialization, where the ground level education that you had at the bachelor's level becomes just a basic level education. But where you move into independent thinking, eh, you conceive your own thoughts and apply your own thoughts in a world of your own, just relying on your own selves. This is what we, we lack in this university, developing the postgraduate aspect of education. Within Ghana here, there are no research universities. And these are research universities like we have now in Ibadan, where more than 40% of the students are postgraduate. That is all they do. They apply that level of education to direct solution of problems. They apply research, whether in the scientific field, technological areas, or even within the humanities. And they go directly at issues and solutions that go directly to resolving uh, problems within society. Right. As against the undergraduate level, where research is optional, uh, where there's much more of um, rote learning, as against the graduate level, where you are completely entirely on your own, and the world is at your command. Right. I'm going to come back to your own prescriptions, but let me take a minute to catch the thoughts of Dr. Joyce Ayi on something you mentioned in the studio exactly a year ago, and Kathleen Adi mentioned it last week. She said, in her ideal Ghana, we'll move from being much more religious to being much more spiritual. And the moment she said it, I remembered you, and I knew you were coming on today, so I will, <laughs> I will print your thoughts on that. And she, I, thought, I, she, I, thought, she thought Christians would chew it up, and I was like, no, 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 no. On the contrary, yeah. you're making a very interesting point. That mm-hmm. was my favorite of her five prescriptions. Yes. Your thoughts on being more spiritual as against being more religious. I couldn't agree with her more. Because we need to practice our faith. That is precisely why we have a faith that is rooted in transformative life. That at first you were self-centered, self-seeking, selfish, and greedy, and so on. But now you see yourself as being somebody who makes a difference in your generation. Applying principles of faith that have changed your perspectives and made you see a larger picture of what God would like to see in a nation. Now, being religious means you're just carrying on with the ritual of going to church, jumping up and down, singing hallelujah and so on, when your own life has not been touched at all. a tough question? Yes. Considering the numbers of Christians we have in this country, should we be better off than we are now? Oh, much, much better. But that is why I would say that Even those many who profess Christianity are very nominal. They are Christians because they are not Tigari. You know, it's because they don't belong to Tigari or they don't belong to Kekufri or they are not another religion. That's why they call themselves Christians because that's how, you know, they think. 
But in terms of making a decision to turn their backs on sin and live a life of righteousness, many of them have not gone through it and are perhaps not willing to go through it because they think it's a loss. They don't know it's a great gain. And that is where we who have the opportunity to share the word must let people know that indeed your life will be much better when you take a decision to forget your old self and come into this newness of life which is filled with power to do what is right. Just before you go off on, on this one, somebody in one of the earlier prescriptions said, when we give nice names like corruption, we conceal the true identity. It is, it is sin. It it's is sin. Theft. What, what it's stealing. <laughs> it's brigandry. When, when you take what does not belong to you, you're a thief and a brigand. Prof, your quick person that before we take a commercial break and come well, back and well, read well, your well, own prescriptions. Uh, 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 is, is the name sometimes an excuse for people to engage in it without... Is the name corruption too fine a name for... <laughs> I don't think corruption is a fine name. It, it, it is it is crude enough to feel embarrassed if you're yeah. associated with yeah. it. Right. You, you, you are a language authority. So I <laughs> <laughs> but I, before you go off, I thought I'd, I might say something, if, if there's a little time. I might say something about the education bit. You right. know, I, I think that in all that we're talking about, he did talk about quality. I think that is so critical. It is so critical. You know, the basic things we learn right from the beginning, the way it is taught us, the way the people who are the agents of teaching also themselves feel about sharing the knowledge is so critical. You know, because if wrote, if all I need to do is to pass an exam and hold a certificate, then I haven't been educated. I've been lettered. You know, at the end of this series, we're going to compile all the thoughts of the various resource persons into a document that will be out there in the public domain. And I managed to lay hands on a document that some people have worked on earlier that I'm going to be quoting from. And I'm going to quote from the segment that talks about branding Ghana, mm. the positives and the negatives about this country. And you will find it very fascinating. I'm going to also tell you why you must be at the Festival of Ideas 2016. Last year, Dr. Joyce I spoke on on integrity in business it was it was absolutely amazing and this year you have to be at the festival i'm going to tell you why you can't afford to miss the festival of ideas 2016 but let me take a a brief pause from my guests to allow them to construct their five prescriptions while i remind us all of some prescriptions we signed up to at the beginning of the year we all committed ourselves to three things one to improve ourselves two to improve our value and three, to improve our strategy. So as individuals, we committed ourselves on this platform to improve ourselves in the area of our faith, our character, and our relationships. Be better people, a better spouse, a better parent, a better worker, a better colleague. We committed to improve our value, that is our brand positioning, our leveraging, our income streams, our network and then very importantly our knowledge base knowledge has become a a critical enabler and we committed to improve our knowledge on this platform the third area of improvement is our approach to doing things we all signed up to do things right the first time and to execute whatever tasks we are given cheaper faster hassle-free and more efficiently so you others call them new year resolutions we call them 
annual commitments and we remind ourselves from the beginning of the year all the way through till the end so we can work on them little by little every day the japanese call it kaizen daily continuous improvement all right so grab your tablets your phones whatever you write on and this is springboard your virtual university my guest for tonight dr joyce Ayi and professor chris yanka and the discussion is about the ideal ghana prescriptions that spell out the critical success factors for building a great nation that is strong and that is powerful these are the five prescriptions of my guests for tonight and let me find out will they be in the order of priority or in no specific order uh, mine will be in the order of priority. Right. So but I, I won't give you five, uh, and I'll tell you why as I go along. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to alternate the current. So I'm going to take one from you and then one from you. Just so that oh, if you get. do it like that for me, you'll spoil my <laughs> Your my soup. soup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me let me let me let me give you a couple of minutes to get your to get your framework of your chest and I'm going to come to prof and then okay. come back to you. Okay. You don't need to finish it, but just give me yeah, my, the, my, the first, highlights. my first prescription is value of the Ghanaian. A value of the Ghanaian. You can call it brand, but I, I don't want the brand in terms of the state. More like the brand of the Ghanaian. Who is the Ghanaian? What does the Ghanaian think of? So we, ha- we have some values value of respect, of hard work, of honesty, of uh, selflessness, value of selflessness, value of servant leadership. You know, and you ask me, how are we going to achieve this? I think we have the institutions, both formal and informal, that can help us do this. The first thing is at home. How do we feel? As people, who are we? What do we want to be? What are the values that hold us together? And then you go to the church. The church wants us to be better people because of what Christ Jesus has done. Is that what we are letting people know? So we must create a new Ghanaian, a better Ghanaian, whose life is soaked in values, <clears throat> in values and principles. Of behavior and lifestyle so mentally you think a certain way we've become so polarized as a nation we we talk of ethnicity of course of course I'm a fanti so what of course somebody is a girl so what we are all Ghanaian in fact our ethnicities should enrich us we'll find out that if you go among the girls they believe in honesty if you go to the, uh, the Frafras, they believe in honesty. You go to the Zimas, the Everest, everybody believes in honesty. So why is it that my being different should cause me to feel that Ghana is not mine or somebody has more value to Ghana? Right. Once we have this mindset of wanting to be a people who believe in what is right, who do what is right, who work on certain principles, we'll find that achieving some of the things that we want will be a lot easier. Let me put a direct, response to, a direct response to, to this. So remember, we're doing a revolution. Remember, a righteous earth. Let me, let, so let me ask you, if you had a barometer, if you had a measuring rod, you, you're like asking for a new Ghanaian. Yes. What, how would you describe the current Ghanaian in the context of what you're seeing? The current Ghanaian is mixed up, has become a little too greedy, a little too selfish, 
a little too self-centered. Everything is what is in it for me. That's what we have become. Right. So that's your first prescription. That's my first prescription. A better Ghanaian, a new Ghanaian who is value-based. Yes. With values that considers who we are, what, where are we going. Yeah. Values like hard work, honesty, self-respect, and selflessness. Yes. And you're seeing the socialization must begin from the home, from the, the home. church, and wherever we find ourselves. Exactly. Right. Let me go to Prof for your foundational prescription for an ideal Ghana. I miss patriotism. The, the love of country, the love to uphold the virtues of a country, the need to subordinate personal individual desires, uh, consider these as secondary. Um, I, I am worried about the quality of leadership within the country, and I mean leadership at all levels. Um, the fact that we have, we, we have abandoned commitment to ideal leadership we have abandoned commitment, commitment to self-denial in leadership. We have put a much bigger emphasis on what can I as an individual gain in the leadership position at the expense of the majority of people out there whom I'm supposed to serve. I, I really miss that and I wish we took the issue of training in leadership much more seriously than we do at the moment. And that brings me, Prof, straight away to a prescription that was made in the first session by Dr. Isiasa, who prescribed a compulsory, a compulsory leadership development institute that is a mandatory requirement for anyone seeking public office. office. Yeah. Do, do you subscribe to that? It's a very good mm-hmm. prescription. And I think we have to distinguish the, the theoretical school from the real practical living with the real world. Look at the leadership that we have had in Ghana right from independence today. You can really draw a line where leaders have committed themselves to developing the nation selflessly without a single thought about what they will get as individuals. Look at, if you ask anybody to tell you, Kwame Nkrumah, for example, let Let's have a declaration of Nkrumah's assets when he was leaving office. Let's have a declaration of Lehman's assets or Buzia's assets uh, when he was uh, leaving office, for example. When Professor Dermansa launched his book on Hillary Lehman, I was fascinated by one single thing I found in the book that after being in power for, I think, two and a half years, which wasn't enough, he was, you know, uh, abruptly stopped. By what did Lehman have? Lehman had a three-bedroom state housing corporation house, which I think is in Nungwa. Uh, Nungwa. And which he acquired while he was working at the Foreign Affairs. And finally, a 20-year-old Mercedes-Benz. These were the two major acquisitions that Lehman had. Um, and so on and so forth. Look at what you can imagine is happening in Ghana now. We don't have the facts. But I think the, the perception of acquisitions has completely changed because I'm a leader, I'm in leadership position. Let me give you a very good example of what happened, for example, in Lehman's regime as given in Adam Mensah's book. You know, an example is made of Harry Sawyer who at one point or the other was the Minister for Transport and Communications. 
at a time that the government was negotiating for planes to replace the fleet of aeroplanes that Ghana had, which were getting older and older. There were negotiations for planes between two companies, one being the Boeing of USA, the other being the McDonald um, of Britain. At a certain point in the negotiations, Harry Sawyer then comes to say that after all these negotiations, what do you have for me? That's a very tricky question. It sounded as if he was looking for something for himself. And then those guys came and said, how about 10%? He said, fine, 10% is fine. And then Harry Sawyer sat quietly and said, well, I have reflected over the 10% offer that you have given me, but how about 15%? So the guy said, well, let's consult with our company out there and give them a phone call and give you a response in a few minutes. They returned and said, 15% is fine. Then they saw Harry Sawyer having picked his pen, making a little calculation on paper. What did he write? He said, well, if you could reduce this sum, the cost of this plane, by 15% and still get a profit, it simply means that the amount that we have all agreed as the cost of the plane can easily be reduced by 15% if you still get your, pre- your profit. Let's go ahead and reduce this by 15%. So it simply tells you that the amount, whatever is quoted, you know, the contract amount itself, is way, way, way off. And this is known by the negotiators on both sides. If all leaders, or all those that we send to negotiate on our behalf for various contracts, whether buildings and roads and whatnot, they go with this idea that the interest of the country is paramount and that I'm not here to look for things for myself, to aggrandize myself. So the same thing I asked Dr. Ayi, would you see that within the current context that spirit of selflessness is totally missing? It is not there. I, I would be anxious to find a, a number of such people who go out to uh, negotiate contracts on our behalf with this mentality, but I will give them, I will salute them, I will give them awards. It is simply not there, and that's how come we have the impression all over the place that the cost of the infrastructural project we have seen all around us, this cost is highly exaggerated, several times, multiple times over. Um, and we all know that most, a greater part of the percentage will be going into people's pockets, and then at the expense of the ordinary man in the street for whom we were supposed to be negotiating. 25 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you just joined us, this is Springboard of Virtual University. I have the pleasure, the privilege, the honor of hosting Dr. Joyce Ayi and then Professor Kwesiyanka as we break down what should be the ideal Ghana. So far, we've just done two prescriptions. And Dr. Joyce Ayi wants a better Ghanaian, a, a principle-based Ghanaian, and she's challenging us that we should start socializing ourselves right from the home, right from the church, to think selflessly, hard work, honesty, self-respect, and she says we are too polarized and there is no basis for that polarization. Um, swinging it, and she talked about being greedy and selfish instead of looking at the whole, the holistic picture of the country. Almost as if they've gone for a rehearsal, Professor Kwesiyanka has the same prescription, patriotism and love of country, to subordinate personal desires um, to the bigger national interest. And she says that in terms of 
the way things are done, the quality of leadership and the sense of selflessness, if he compares the earlier quality of leadership we had to what we have currently, there is definitely a question mark over how prudently we manage things that belong to the nation. Let me come to Dr. J.S.I.E. for your next prescription for an ideal nation. My, my, my next prescription <clears throat> is the choice of what would bring us the best development. And my first choice, or my choice, is developing agriculture. Using agriculture as the fulcrum around which all development activities are done, whether it is education, whether it is health, whether it is infrastructure, whether it is industry. And my reason is simple. The thing is that agriculture spawns industry at various levels, both uh, medium-scale industry to large, very industrial things, because after all, you'll be producing even equipment for agriculture. Agriculture requires education, and so you will be you'll be tilting education to the full range of the sort of things you, you say the value chain the full value chain of agriculture agriculture deals with people and people require health and so medicine healthcare and all that the people who are involved in this you know will need help because agriculture will also be producing food and stuff like that. Agriculture will require infrastructure not only to the places where the farming, whether uh, peasant farming or large-scale farming is done, but distributing products of agriculture throughout the country requires infrastructure. So you will have to building your infrastructure around that. Industry. You need industry to go through the full value chain of agriculture. And agriculture is not just food crops. Agriculture is also cash crop. Agriculture, let's face it, it has also to do with fisheries, animal husbandry. It has a lot to do with even forestry, because you you should have agroforestry. You know, it has a lot to do with uh, research. How do you process food? How do you get better seeds? How do you preserve food? All those things. You know, so if agriculture became the center of our thinking, already we're told that agriculture employs about 60% of Ghanaians, even though we know that we have not done much to improve our agriculture. And so you find that it's not everybody will be a farmer. People will be doctors, they'll be educators, they'll be research people, they'll be industrialists, and so on and so forth. All around that. That is my major point. Then I can take the elements a bit, a bit if there's time. I got two, two major ones I'd like to pick. would be education and uh, healthcare. Two, 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 and, 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 and culture. No, what I'm saying is that right. agriculture right. will right. deal with right. all these things. Right. You know, because in order to have 
a good agriculture, you need industry, you need infrastructure, you need education, you need health, you need research, you know, all those things. I'm going to come back to you on that, but just a quick one. Um, Prof. Yanka, it's been said that a nation that cannot feed itself can never talk about development. Um, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you have to feed yourself by feeding yourself, not just the tummy, but also the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, food for thought and food for survival. Yeah. Um, we are thinking of both. And in terms of feeding itself that you're talking of, you are talking of feeding the knowledge industry, the industry that uh, Antonio has talked about. How much money do we sink in the area of research as a country? How much money does any educational institution devote to research or investigation? Or how much attention do we pay to statistics vital information about the country go to any forum on data on the net and look for the human development index of the UN human development index look at all the areas right from education through health through industry whereas there's a sufficient amount of information from all the other continents when you come to the area of Africa it's dash statistics on this dash Statistics on education, dash, industry, dash. They have been relying on Africans, on Ghanaians, ourselves, to provide the much-needed information that you need to use as the foundation for development. Mm. And when all these facts are completely absent because the raw people on the ground themselves, the researcher, the scholar themselves, have not done enough research to provide the information needed for development uh, to happen. How are decisions taken without the foundational support in the area of research? Research in the knowledge industry is so low in Africa as a whole. In Ghana, it is particularly low. And it's unfortunate that when the university lecturers, for example, are are talking about uh, the need for for research funding, um, this is taken away from them. It's a very clear example that it goes to show that we... We, we, we downgrade the importance of research. In several universities elsewhere, as soon as one is appointed to a particular position, the salary comes with a certain amount of money fundamentally for research. Research for your own work, research for teaching, research for your travels, attendance of conferences are all taken care of. In Ghana here, the little that is obtained or that the lecturer has access to is now being taken away from them and when they are deprived of this it makes more and more empty the kind of teaching that they transfer to the student still um, on the I- idea of the ideal Ghana do, you, do i mean in your private moments do you think that we've got it all wrong in the way we spend our money I our th- priorities i think we do now talk about the amount of money we just waste I just give a clear example about about the kind of contracts that we sign. Talk about the cost of corruption within Africa alone. It is estimated that we lose about one hundred and fifty billion dollars to corruption annually. Annually, and take this amount of money and put it in the area of research and education. Make this available to feed or to educate the rural populace, give them good basic education, remove 
all the schools and the trees, build actual schools for them. Under no circumstances should it ever be said that there's no chalk. And so, therefore, everything has come to a standstill. Pro, but it sounds so obvious. Why are we not doing it? That is the question. It is simply because we have misprioritized things. We have considered education, even though high in terms of nominal priorities that we put on paper, in actual fact, we don't seem to have any respect for education. And it sounds as if we think the more our people get educated, the more rational they become, uh, the more commonsensible that they are, and the more inquisitive they, will, they are, they, they are going to ask accountable. They are going to ask you more and more questions and hold you more accountable. Mm. So as if there's a quiet conspiracy to keep the people completely ignorant so that the few in the leadership positions will then rain terror on them, on the majority. I think the, the idea of just the ignorance, the ignorant Ghanaian, the ignorant student, appears to be of particular interest to certain people. I don't think anybody will openly own up and say that, yes, I'm interested in ensuring that a majority of Ghanaians remain uneducated so that, therefore, we walk over them. But that appears to be the subtext, the unspoken truth in all our policies. So, in your, in your opinion, you think, that, you think that we seem to almost want to have a situation where people are undereducated, as it were, I for lack of a better word? there's a subtext to that effect, unspoken truth that let's preserve the minority um, in leadership positions, in acquisition of all the wealth, the wealth of knowledge, and keep everybody else oppressed. Because the more they, they become educated, the more inquisitive, and the more rational, and the more questions that they ask of our leadership. Give you a quiet assurance. I will not aim at five prescriptions today, because obviously, with the quality of resource I have in the studio, just three prescriptions have consumed our time, but I'm, I'm the better off because I'm learning from these knowledgeable resource persons as they share their own prescriptions about the ideal Ghana. And if you just joined us, this is Springboard of Virtual University. We are on a journey. We're trying to find prescriptions for building a new nation, a different nation from what we have today. And my guests on, in this series are exploring their own thoughts. We are debating how we would, would like to see this nation reconstructed. And my guests for tonight, Dr. Joyce Ayi and Professor Kusiyanka, are helping us pick out their own prescriptions for building this nation over again. And so far, Dr. Joyce Ayi has talked about a different, a better Ghanaian. She's talked about the issue of identity, that we should be more selfless, more principle-centered, more honest, and our lives, it must reflect in our living, and it must start with the socialization from the school, the church, the home, wherever we find ourselves. And she says we are too greedy, and we don't look at the bigger picture of the nation. On the right side, um, Professor Kusiyanka set us off by saying that patriotism and love for country seems to be missing and if you juxtapose the quality of leadership over the years with the quality that we have today there are question marks over our, our handling of our resources and our prudent use and management of our resources. Now the second prescription from Dr. J.S.I. It's been about using agriculture as a fulcrum around which all our developmental activities revolve, industry, education, healthcare, infrastructure. And she spelled out a new look at agriculture that is all-encompassing and spelled out the various potential outlets for agriculture. 
And in response to that, Professor Yanka has given us his own idea that there is a lack of statistics and a lack of research. And so even the developmental agenda that we have can be flawed to the extent that there is not enough data to start from the base and build on it. And he says, in, in, in that regard, we seem to be paying lip service to education and probably there's a subtext or an unspoken truth that it is preferred that people don't get too educated so that they, they don't ask difficult questions. Let me come to your own second prescription, Professor Gisianka. My second, second, your next prescription, sir. Back to leadership. I, 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 get, I get angry about our perception, uh, the low standards of leadership. Um, that disturbs me a lot and more often when people talk about leadership in Africa particularly from the outside outside Africa we become the laughing stock of the entire world that we don't seem to be sensitive about integrity in leadership let me give you an example two or so years ago when the IEA came out with a, with a kind of corruption index based on their own research and survey and came and said that according to the survey the, the second most corrupt institution in Ghana after the Ghana police is the presidency there was a hue and cry you know people rather break the neck of the IEA brand them as belonging to one party or the other. Elsewhere, there would be, you would, there would be a state of emergency because they are talking about your, your White House. They are pointing to the White House as the second most corrupt institution. That is frightening because that is the place we all look up to. The highest standards that you expect the purest you, you are looking for purity so therefore you are looking for individuals with the kind of quality and values that the younger one can aspire to now people got angry and those of us who even use those statistics and discard these statistics in public became the object of attacks from all directions what proof do you have about what you are saying? They forget entirely that the research dealt mostly with perception of corruption. Do, do you find us as a people very intolerant? We do. We do a lot. I think we are when we reach certain positions, we don't want to be criticized. We don't want to be assessed by the ordinary person. And we seem to bathe in the joy of praise singers, those who come to give us the good news. But those like Auntie Joyce Ice, my, my good sons who may be storytellers coming to tell you about people's perception of you, regardless of what you think of yourselves, we then become the enemies. Eventually, one then moves from perception to reality in terms of what is happening on the, on, in the country now about leadership. We have now moved from perception and now people are coming out with facts and letters if we are taking good care of the perception when this came up eh, and sought to arrest the trend, you wouldn't have a case where now letters are being displayed all over and then question marks are being raised. That is painful enough. And elsewhere they will tell you that 
Well, if this had been anywhere outside Africa, there would have been a trail of resignations. But they know that, as for Africa, dear, business as usual. So we are stuck in that low standard of leadership and perception of leadership that we are not interested in lifting ourselves from the morass. I'm just learning so much from Dr. Joyce Ayi and Professor Kusiyanka, and I'm going to ask them to put all this up together. Just imagine that you have you have the undivided attention of the whole nation for two minutes. If you had the undivided attention of the whole nation for two minutes, what would you do? What I'll come back to my point that when we want to develop Ghana, we must have a bigger picture. Right. And we must see how that big picture will enable us to put all things in place. You know, I think our governments want to do everything at the same time. And they fail woefully because we are uh, our resources are then stretched beyond what they can accommodate. But if we decided to focus on agriculture, for example, we talk about private sector development. I mean, how best to do this than to let people get into <coughs> agriculture? You know, private people get into agriculture and then the state can take care of things like education, healthcare, research, infrastructure and so on. So I think that it is because we want to do everything. That is why we find it so difficult. Right. Thank you, Dr. Jess. I, I definitely will have you back in the studio again. Even Prof, if you don't have us, we'll come. I know. <laughs> Prof, let me give you one minute to take us home on this. And I'll would, I would take you home in the direction where I go home, uh, in the central region. Right. Where, where I come from. Um, just drive from Winneba Junction through Swedru to my hometown, the little village of Aguna, Duyakwa, Tuasaba. Right. And you ask yourself, Is it part of do Ghana? these people also belong to Ghana? Is it part of Ghana? And then just take how much it would cost to pave the road smoothly for Auntie Joyce's vehicle and yours coming to visit me. Make me a promise on, the, on air that you will come back again. I'll come back again to tell you. And that the amount, w- the cost of one maybe for the expedition. Until we come away again next week, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Arbet and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Arbet and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcasts. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,